Once I tithe, does God care what I do with the rest of my stuff? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we're talking about a highly theoretical problem, and that is having too much money, I guess. Ooh, you know. What do we do with our stuff? Well, I mean, you know, thankfully, stewardship is is definitely not just about money, but... Uh, yeah, it's not. You know, so, uh, and that's one of those things that, uh, depending on what, uh, what books you've read or, or what sermons you've heard, uh, that may be a surprise to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means I have to re-engage. I was hoping to think, well, I don't have much money, so I don't really yeah, have to pay fine. attention to this one you're much. Fine. But even that I'd be wrong because you still need to be a good steward, even if you have very little. That's right. That's right. It's not the, it's not the amount, it's what you do with it. So. Exactly. And so we're going to talk about that a lot, that stewardship, I, th- I think, you know, our initial question kind of that we're teasing this subject with kind of, I, I think there is some people, there are some people who think that, mm-hmm. all right, if I give, if I give a tithe, if I give 10%, 90% is mine, can do whatever I want. But I think more of, we're trying to, to broach this idea, as you're saying, it's not just money we have at stake. Um, it's, it's many other mm-hmm. things, but also it's not just what we give, it's how we give, why, and so forth. So you could give 90% and not be stewarding well. Mm-hmm. So how about we do what we always do? And, uh, we, uh, we explain what we're talking about when we, uh, in, you know, big, broad category in the big, broad category of stewardship, you probably using quite a few big words. Um, and then we, um, and then we simplify it down and, and talk about it from there. Sounds good. So, all right. So here we go. Uh, when we're talking about stewardship, this is what we mean. So God's intention for mankind, uh, is that we serve him as faithful stewards of his creation. We are to invest the time, talents, and material possessions God gives us for his kingdom work, knowing that God is the true owner of all that we have and that our true treasure is not found on earth but in heaven. Motivated by God's generosity to us, made most clear in the gospel, we are to give God the best of what we have, regularly, sacrificially, humbly, and cheerfully praying that God may be glorified in our stewardship of his provisions. So here is the big idea. If we had to summarize that down in as simply as possible, uh, it would probably be something like this, that everything we have belongs to God and is to be used to glorify him. And that everything we have, as we talked about in the definition, as we spoken about already is not just possessions Mm -hmm. we have time and energy and other resources so yeah it all belongs to god ultimately we are his stewards uh serving him faithfully that's what we've been called to do okay yeah so where do we see this in scripture there are many places so why don't we kind of do a mixture of just reading some referencing some uh, because we could take the rest of this episode and just read several passages where we see this concept. So let's just kind of do a quick kind of survey of several, though. Totally. Well, um, one of the one of the first big ones, and it's the starting point for it all, really, is Genesis one twenty eight. Um, it's where we see where where in some translations we see the word dominion appear. 
And so that's an interesting one because that is is really what um, where this idea of stewardship comes from. This is um, but here it says that uh, God blessed them, them being the first humans and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Um, rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so the big idea here is is that humanity has been designated, has been designated and delegated the responsibility of cultivating and using the, the resources of the world for the purpose of glorifying God as his image bearers. Yeah, and, and so... I- I was going to say, I think one thing important here, and you may have been getting ready to say this, is is that when we read rule over the fish and so forth, it is not in place of God or above God exactly. or next to. It's still under his ultimate rule. Yes, that's what, and, and that's why uh, I had... Um, and I was getting to that. But, I uh, but that's why, why we, need to, we need to think about um, why we use the word stewardship in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, because a steward is not the owner of anything. Um, and why I use the word delegated um, pr- prior leading into talking about this verse is because that's really what God does. When he, when he gives us authority, um, it's not authority. And the authority that we have to rule over the earth, to use the language of the, of the verse, it's not inherent value or inherent authority that we have on our own. Instead, what it is, is it's delegated authority. It's God's authority granted to us, which means that it's inherently expected that it's used according to his purposes. Exactly. I think another passage that comes to mind, and we won't read this one, it's just a little bit too long, but it's, it's the parable of the talents that Jesus told in Matthew 25, 14 through 29. And, and again, just a quick summary, this is where uh, the, the wealthy man gives, I think it's five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one talent to a third, and then goes on a long trip. And when he comes back, says, hey, where's, where's the money I gave you? Talents here is, is, a, is a unit of currency. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first brings his five plus more. He invested it wisely and, and, and he's told, well done. The second comes back again, his two plus more. But the third one comes back with just the single talent and said, hey, here's your talent. And the, the wealthy man says, well, where's the interest? Where's, you know, where's the more? And basically the servant says, well, I was afraid of you. You're, you're you know, kind of a hard man. And uh, I was afraid if I lost it, you'd be angry. So I just kind of protected it. And he is rebuked at this point and called a lazy servant because he failed to at least put it in a bank and draw some simple interest off of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times you read this and it's kind of, it's hard to keep your bearings. What in the world is Jesus trying to say here? And again, remember with parables, it's the big idea. Find the big idea. Instead of trying to microanalyze everything, is, you know, is Jesus saying that God's angry? Is he the the, the wealthy man? Is is he a bad, you know, no, don't go there. Just the big idea. The big idea is this servant is wrong to have not done anything. He, he was not useful. And, and that's the idea is, is God has entrusted us with things as his stewards. And we are not just to kind of hold on to them and cling them and protect them from loss. We are supposed to use them for his glory and his benefit. So we, we put them out there and we use them. That's why we, we give to the church, whether it's a tithe or something else that we'll talk about soon. Um, that's why we invest our, 
our energy and so forth. We don't just sit on it. So that's the big idea here in this one is we are to invest in the kingdom work. Yeah. Yeah. The, the next thing that we would want to look at here is, um, you know, comes from Matthew chapter six, 19 through 21. And this one's short, so I get to read it, uh, which is, uh, which says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure is in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And so what, what really the big idea here is is that um, steward it, it speaks to the the heart issue of stewardship, mm. and so yes, Jesus is talking specifically about um, about treasures here, and so he's so really the the best way to understand it is stuff. So <laughs> it's your it's your money, it's your value, what's most valuable of your physical possessions, and he's saying these things. These things don't matter the way that you think that they do. Yeah. And so if you if you hold them the way that that Jesus advocates here, you can be very open-handed and you're free to be generous because you're not mastered by these things. Um you're not consumed with how much do I have right now and do I have um everything that I want because the answer is to um to that becomes the question of, do I have enough? And yeah. when all that I want, when having enough of what I want is the, you know, is the the benchmark, the answer always turns into just um, how much is enough is just a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of feeds into the next passage. It's Luke 12, 16 through 21, where Jesus really just warns us about being selfish. So it's that kind of not only not having enough because of a, um, a worry, sometimes it's that, well, I just need more to protect myself and need to have more in savings or retirement or whatever. But the, the rev- or another angle of that is simple, sometimes it's simply selfishness. We, we're just never yeah. satisfied. Consumerism run rampant. And so Jesus tells this parable, it's a little bit, I, I won't read this one, it's a little bit longer as well, but he tells this parable about a rich um, landowner who has a bumper crop and he says, all right, I'm going to build bigger barns and mm-hmm. put these in the bigger barns and I'm going to have plenty and I can just kind of relax. And he is called a fool by God. And then that night he dies. Well, again, what's the point here? Is, is, is Jesus in this parable teaching us that it's wrong to have savings? No. Is he telling us it's wrong to have retirement funds? No. The problem with this man was not necessarily that he built barns to save. It's that he had a selfish posture in this. Not once does he intimate that maybe with this bumper, this extra that God provided, he could bless others and use it for good. He hoards it and he relies on it. And that is the warning here that that Jesus Mm -hmm. is saying, do not be selfish. Do not seek to accumulate things just for your own benefit or enjoyment. Again, there's nothing wrong with us enjoying things, but when Mm -hmm. that is the sole fact focus or the main focus that we have on materials and even time and energy and so forth, then we are probably being selfish. And that's the warning there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a, a good warning. It is a necessary warning. Um, you know, I know that, you know, people will be listening to this after Christmas and, um, you know, hopefully they will have heated some of this in advance. (laughs) 
um, because uh, bills will be coming if not. And, uh, that's, if you have the receipt, you know, and a lot of times stores can return things. You can return things there to you them. Go. You got until January thirty first on a lot of it. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. So the next the next three passages that we're going to or next few passages we're going to talk about um, really, really get into more of the practices of giving. And, um, you know, one of those. um, And so there's actually four of them that uh, that we talk about. So um, so I'm just going to kind of kind of blitz through uh, just shotgun through them here. And um, are we allowed to say things like that now? I don't know if we're allowed sure. to anymore, but it's too late now. I already said it. So, exactly. Anyway, um, so the first one is Proverbs three verse nine, and so really the principle behind this is to, um, which you know is talking about your the first produce of your harvest is really to give the best of what you have to God. Mm-hmm. Don't. Um, so it's not about you know it's not about it's not about percentage amounts or anything like that. It's about what is the what is what is it that you're giving? Is it the the leftovers or is it giving uh, giving sacrificially from the first and best because of the the value of God? The second is First uh, Corinthians sixteen two, which um, is really an encouragement to give regularly, yeah. and so that it's a that it's a that it's a habitual. Um, pattern a part of how we worship day in and day out and week in and week out um, and month in and month out and year in and year out and so forth so um, so there's there's this piece um, Matthew 6 1 through 4 um, encourages humble giving and so uh, so in this passage you see Jesus talking about uh, people who are and really taking aim at the Pharisees um, as he's talking and saying, you are like, don't give in, don't give to the poor in a way that's, that is to celebrate yourself, but give in, but give in ways that no one sees give in secret. Don't even and he gets so extreme that he says, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing yeah. uh, so that you're because what you receive in terms of your reward in in the world is what you receive. And so if you're giving for praise, you may be giving, it may be a good thing that you've done, but the praise of people is all you're getting. Um, as opposed to, as opposed to hearing well done, good and faithful servant at the end. Um, and so the final one is in second Corinthians nine, six and seven, which is an encouragement to give cheerfully because God loves a joyful, cheerful giver that giving in giving and stewardship. These are not begrudging obligations, but they are a joy. They are a part of how we worship God in a really practical way. So. Good those stuff. are the those are the big passages that we see a lot of this come from, but uh, but what are some questions and cautions and and ways that we want to be understanding this doctrine a little bit more, Brian? Yeah, I think the first one, just real quick, we just talked about is this is a common topic in scripture. I mean, we we just pulled what was that about ten passages or so. And we, take, yeah. yeah, scraping the surface. There are many, many more passages. This is one of the more, more common topics that that runs throughout Scripture, from Genesis through Revelation, really. And it's and it's common for a reason because it's an area we struggle with quite a bit. 
Um, and, and we can't miss that last part of, of making sure our hearts are engaged, that sometimes we can look at this topic from um, too utilitarian of a perspective and just think about, mm-hmm. you know, as we've talked about, all right, let me just give 10% and do my, my responsibility and then, you know, go about my, my way. That's not really what's at stake here. It's the heart behind it that will drive everything. And that, that takes us to the second major caution. And, and it's what a lot of people probably been waiting for us to talk about. And it's this tithe concept. We've intimated a minute ago that, that, um, many people hold to a 10% literal 10% tithe. Many do not. We've mm-hmm. talked about this before on, on this podcast quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. We talked about, um, general views on giving. Yeah, so you might want to dig that one up, episode up, if, if you are really interested in this, but just a little bit more succinctly than that, because we could do another 30, 45-minute episode easily on just this this nuance of it. Um, you know, a lot of people would hold that the church is still responsible for giving a literal 10% tithe, that that is the standard, it's established in the Old Testament, um, and we are responsible for that. Many others, though, would say, no, we are not. That is an Old Testament practice. It is not repeated the command to tithe is not repeated after the Gospels, and the Gospels are still under the old economy. Um, the new economy really begins after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So a lot of people would say, no, that is an Old Testament standard. The church is not obligated to it, um, just as the church has a different view of the Lord's Day and the Sabbath, for example. Um and some would also look at that and say, but if you're going to hold to a literal tithe as recorded in the Old Testament, it's actually a lot more than 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's just a, some, some different, different position there. Um, and then going back to the 10% group, there are some who would say that 10% is from the top of your pay. And others would say, no, it's after you take out, you know, taxes and everything. Um, I think the the big answer is this, and, and again, just to, to be clear, I, I lean toward the tithe not being commanded of the church. Mm-hmm. That's personally where I fall. But I think we need to extend grace toward one another in this. I don't think this should be an, an issue worth dividing over. It's important, but it's not an issue worth dividing over. Um, and even for those who might kind of lean my direction of, of thinking the tithe is no longer a, a responsibility of the church... I think when you read the Gospels, especially you read Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he, he raises standards, he looks at the Old Testament and says, but, you know, there's more expected of us. We, we understand God's grace, his goodness much more. So I think, uh, personally, I believe 10% should be the goal of believers, and we should, we should desire to move past it. And so mm-hmm. I think that's a good and fitting kind of barometer, but personally, I'm not going to necessarily fault somebody if they end up giving 8%, for example. Um, I, I, I'm going to extend grace there myself, but let's extend grace to one another as well with how we we kind of land on this 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 topic. Yeah. And, and that really is an important thing. I mean, we've all heard the sermon of, you know, if you're not giving your full, your full 10%, you're robbing God, um, which by the way, just is not what that means. So please don't use that ever. Um, (laughs) but what, um, but grace is important here. And, um, you know, certainly I've had seasons in my life where I've been able to give much, much more than 10%. I've had many seasons where I have been able to have, where I've had to choose between groceries and giving. 
and um, and that's not exaggeration, but um, but that is um, and so that's why grace matters so much here, um, and that speaks into this next this next thing that we want to bring up, which which really is is that um, to be a good steward requires balance, and what we mean by that is is that it's possible, it is definitely possible to be um, a poor steward by living too lavishly by living, um, a very opulent lifestyle is, um, is, is the way that, uh, that it's often described. And, uh, I still remember a staff meeting at, um, at a ministry that I worked at years ago where, and, and I really actually appreciated this, this caution that we were given was, um, just to be wise in how we, um, how we lived, what we did when we were on, uh, when we were out for work events, because we wanted, to, we needed to be careful that we avoided the appearance of yeah. opulence. Um, and so, um, and so that was just, it was just a call to responsibility in, in our case. Um, but to, to live too lavishly to, um, really just means spending too much on, um, on ourselves at the expense of serving others. Um, and so this is the most, this really is the most common view of poor stewardship is ex- needless extravagance and excess. However, there is another kind of poor or unwise stewardship, which is um, living with a poverty mentality. And so this um, and this really is one of these things that is kind of unique to Western cultures, um, more so than to places like um, Honduras or Ethiopia or um, you know or you know anywhere in the developing world, where there is much more of a, this. This just generally isn't an issue among those who are materially who are live in material poverty. Um, they tend to be actually quite generous, yeah. Actually, and put us to shame. Um, certainly, that's been my experience over the last fifteen years. But, um, um, but for us, that can be agonizing over every single purchase. It can mean not resting in Christ. It can mean not accepting God's good provision for us and not being comfortable with what God has given us. Um, now some of us may actually legitimately be called to, um, a lifestyle, particular ministry calling that says, I, I am going to forsake all of this for the sake of the gospel. They may, they may be called to that, but not everybody is. And so for us being, so for those who are not being a wise steward and, um, and really being a, being a true worshiper in this, in this aspect means to recognize that what God has given us is, is a good gift meant to be used for his glory. And so we need to use it that way. Yeah. I think that takes us to another kind of caution tangent to that. And it's, it's this, that we, this is something we always need to consider and wrestle with. Um, and each of each person's context differs. So I think we have to extend grace that 
what I what I deem that balance may be different from the balance you deem, and I shouldn't judge you for that. I mean, you shouldn't judge me for that if 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 there's variance. But also, let's take it w- even within our context differs depending on the season we are in life. Our situation mm-hmm. changes. You get a different job. That changes not only your income, but it changes the time you have. Maybe you have a commute and so forth. Yeah. So there are many different factors. You know, the birth of a child, and there's so many different things that happen that change context quickly. What's going on around us? So your income may be the same, your family may be the same, but like what we've seen with our national economy because of COVID the last during this past year, that has to inform what we're doing. So because of this, this is an issue I do not believe any of us can set on cruise control. I don't think any of us can say, all right, here's here's the percentage I'm going to give of, of my income. Here's how much time I'm going to do. And you come up with this, you know, etched in stone amount and you say, okay, I'm done. I've, I've decided this. I've, I've answered this. Let me move on. This is something we always need to prayerfully go back and consider. Are we managing well the resources that God has given to us today mm-hmm. and tomorrow? Again, as you talked about, not, not with balance still, not Microanalyzing ourselves to the point of it just becomes overwhelming. Um, yeah, but always kind of taking that step back and considering: Am I stewarding well with my purchasing, with what I'm using, with my generosity? Am I am I stewarding the resource? Because it's not; it doesn't just end when it goes from currency to goods. Mm-hmm. It's still okay. Am I using my vehicle for God's glory? Am I generous with it? If somebody wanted to borrow it, would, would I loan it and so forth? Um, yeah. So we do this again with confidence and joy of pursuing a life that is pleasing to God for his glory with our hearts directed toward him, trusting that he will guide our steps. He, he will lead us. And then we feel good about it and, and move on. That's mm-hmm. kind of a, a, a regular rhythm of our lives. I think we need to maintain as long as we draw breath. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Ken, I'm, I'm really gl- gl- glad that you brought this up because this is actually one of the areas that's really challenging in stewardship is the evaluating by circumstance. And so um, certainly, um, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I've never experienced it the, uh, the opposite way, but, um, but in terms of... Um, really suddenly finding yourself with, well, let me rephrase that. So, cause I have experienced both like having more than I, ex- more than I realized, um, or being blessed with more, um, than expected, but also having to be very careful <laughs> with <laughs> everything. <laughs> and so, um, you know, a great example is when you're in the midst of buying a house, Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, which, you know, by the time you guys are listening to this, I should be moved into my new house. Um, but you know, during the season that you are in between going under contract and, um, and actually closing on your house in the American terms, um, you basically just need to be really careful about what you do and do not spend. And so there is a diligence that's required that is above and beyond the normal, um, in that area, because you don't want to do anything that's going to mess up your, mess up your situation. Exactly. 
It's a healthy exercise to go through. If, if anybody listening who's been through it, I've been several times because of moving and so forth, refinancing mm-hmm. most recently. And we can relate and say, yeah, there is, you have to really be diligent. Um, I remember when, mm-hmm. when my wife and I, when we first got married, it, it was within the first year of marriage. I'm pretty, pretty sure we were still living in a rental apartment. We had very little. Um, I was a student pastor then, so mm-hmm. making next to nothing. Um, and and I remember looking at our bank account one day, realizing, oh no, we we're pretty much out of money. And so I called Tara. This is before texting even. <laughs> I called her and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, um, don't spend any money. Don't spend anything." Mm-hmm. And I remember she took it the wrong way. I didn't explain it. I guess <laughs> she thought I was being a micromanager, kind of caveman, telling her what to do. Until I could explain to her later, she she got a little bit upset. Understandably, mm-hmm. I said, "No, no. The reason is because we have no money. <laughs> if you write a check, yeah. it's going to bounce." Um, so we, we've, we've been in there and we've seen God in his graciousness, just provide for us faithfully. Even then he was providing for us faithfully, of course, um, mm-hmm. his goodness. So yeah, I think understanding Paul talks about this, knowing how to live in the absence and how to live in plenty as well is so important. All right. So yes. that kind of takes us to our last kind of point of discussion. How, what difference should this doctrine make? And, you know, that's one of them. It's how we live each day. Um, mm-hmm. we hold loosely onto the things of the world. We seek to steward carefully what we have been given. Another illustration is this. You and I, we've traveled quite a bit for work, not this past year, uh, but when we travel for work, we often will rent a a vehicle. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Aaron, but whenever I rent vehicles, I'm never quite comfortable. Not only because it's a different car, you're trying to learn where things are and it just feels different, but Mm -hmm. I'm always keenly aware, this is not my car. And if I wreck it, you know, there's going to be a problem. So I drive rental cars hyper vigilantly. I'm just so mm-hmm. careful. I'm more careful with those cars than my own. Yes. And, um, and I think, you know, not to the degree I stress about that, but I think that idea of what, what I have is not mine. It's mm-hmm. God's. That car that I just mentioned is not my car. It's not my Toyota Corolla. It's God's Toyota Corolla. He's letting me use for his glory. Um, this house that I'm in is not mine. It's his. And so if we have that thinking that everything is his and to steward it well and remember that, again, as we've talked about, not to the point where it just becomes burdensome because we're so worried, but that, I think, perspective is so helpful for us in how we live. And I, I guess that kind of takes it to the others is, you know, our view of things. Um, not everything yeah. or everything is God's. And so we receive it with gratitude and humility. Did you have anything to add about that or want to talk about uh, where your no, house I mean, I is? Think so you, we can I think you nailed it, fork your nailed yard. it there. Um, what's that? I was going to say, you can give us your street address of your new house so we can fork your yard. No, you cannot do that because uh, the, the sod's too new. Well, so. it's good for it. It's called aeration. <laughs> is it? Yeah, mm. it really is. I'd like it to, you know, take root first. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> let's just call it there then so you and I can bigger about this off off the episode afterwards. That sounds and good. Thanks for that talking about good. money and stuff with me. Uh, I, I learned mm-hmm. that stuff, Anytime. according to you, as a theological concept, which is really important Absolutely. earlier. Absolutely. So yeah. I appreciate that, expanding my theological dictionary. Stuff and things. Uh, stuff and things. 
All right, let's wrap it there. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.